Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, church. In case that you are new or unfamiliar with me, um, my name is Daquan. I'm the student pastor here at Crossroads. Um, I shepherd, I lead, and I oversee um, our 6th through 12th graders um, that we have here at Crossroads. Um, as you guys can see, we had a big party this morning. Um, this is our Kids Week Sunday. So give a round of applause for all of the kids that attended, all our volunteers. And I want to give a special shout out to my students. We had 63 students who stepped up and served this Sunday. You guys are being an example not only to your peers, not only to the kids, but also to our church as well. I'm proud of you guys. And Pastor Marcus always says is that discipleship is the ministry of the church. Discipleship. We can do almost everything. We can have songs, we can have dances, we can have programs, but discipleship is the ministry of the church. We saw that this past week at um, our Kids Week. And if you are new with us and want to figure out what the discipleship looks like, what it means to be a part of our church, next Sunday we have something called Next Steps. Next Steps is the opportunity for you to learn the vision of our church, but also the life of our church. If you have been here for a while and you want to know where Crossroads is going, this is a, the best place for you to attend is next Sunday for Next Steps. Your opportunity to meet our staff, meet some leaders, but also meet our church and the new members that will be joining as well. Over the last seven weeks, um, we were going over the seven letters um, in, the churches of, in the church in Revelation. We went over how, how Jesus, you know, um, has, has judged them, has encouraged them, has provided for them, has blessed them. And as last week came to a close, uh, me and Pastor Josh for the next three weeks, we're going to be starting a mini-series called The One and Others. Called One Another. The past seven weeks we heard about other churches. How they have succeeded, how they failed, how they were faithful, how they were unfaithful. Now for the next three weeks, we're going to go over how do we be the church? How do we serve and love one another? How do we encourage one another? How do we bear each other's burdens? How do we be the church? Today, we'll be learning about how do we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom? How do we teach and warn each other in all wisdom? If you have your Bibles with you, We'll be starting in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 15. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 10, verse 15. What I love about the book of Colossians is that in this book, it talks about almost everything in breadth for the Christian walk. It talks about how, how, do we, how are we in households? How are we in our faith? It talks about a, how we have false religion sometimes. How we are swayed away from in, with philosophies and things of this world. It talks about almost in breath how the church is to function and as believers we are to believe. And today in Colossians chapter 13, I mean Colossians chapter 3 verse 15, we will see How do we teach and admonish one another? Let us start at verse 15. And it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let us pray. Lord, this morning, have your glory, your gospel, and your goodness be revealed to us. Lord, as we pursue how to teach and admonish one another, Lord, show us that the true gospel that we have is what we teach. We don't teach, we don't teach traditions. We don't teach religion, Lord. We teach the gospel. Lord, this morning, have grace on me and speak to me, speak through me, speak for me. Lord, in this time, have your word go forth by your spirit and by your power. In your precious name, amen. Amen. In 2010, I was in the 10th grade. And at this time, I have never been to church. So one of my best friends, this is like my partner in crime or my companion in sin, we did everything together, everything imaginable together. Every sin under the, the sun, that was my guy that I know who had my back. And on this specific Sunday, 2010, he was getting forced to go to church by his aunt. His aunt said, if you're going to live with me, you're going to church. So as my friend, my partner in crime, my companion for all means of mischief, he said, Daquan, since I am being forced to go to church, you have to go with me. And for me, in my mind, I said, all right, worst case, there'll be some girls there. <laughs> so it's a win-win situation. I get, to, I, get to, I get to have my friends back, and I get to meet some new people. And on this Sunday, that was the Sunday that I heard the gospel. The gospel that Jesus, holy, merciful, loving, stepped into flesh, into man for a sinful people that hated him, for a sinful people that neglected him, for a sinful people that hated him. And by his love and his forgiveness, he died for these people so they can have new life in him, new nature in him, new affections in him. And that Sunday, in August of 2010, I received the gospel for the very first time. I heard the gospel clearly, and me and my friend received the gospel that day. Now, as you know, once you are saved, you are a part of a church and called to a church. And in the church, we have a lot of different teachings and trainings that we do when someone is new, right? For me, this church was very big on what you wear, what you wore. And imagine me, 2010, you know what I mean? much younger, hip, cool, all these type of deals. And they said, Daquan, you need to wear some slacks. Hey, y'all, hold on now. Hold on. Hold on, y'all. Hold on. Okay? And with those slacks, they taught me how to crease them, how to iron them. You need to wear a, a nice little button-up shirt, sometimes turquoise, you know what I mean? And they taught me about this little thin little shirt 
how to not have wrinkles in them, how to iron those wrinkles out. They taught me how to tie a tie. They taught me how to talk. They taught me how to present myself. They taught me how to look like a Christian. But one thing they didn't teach me was how to read the Bible. One thing they didn't teach me was how do I put faith in Jesus in my day in day life? One thing they didn't teach me is how do I be freed from the sins and the bondage that I'm experiencing right now? One thing they didn't teach me was how do I rely upon the gospel and not my very own works? Today, we're going to be talking about how do we teach and admonish one another. What do we teach in church? Because what we teach makes us who we are. What we warn against shows us what we worship. As we start out in verse 15, it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. The one thing we want to focus on today is let the peace of Christ rule in your life. Now, reading this face value, you can assume that this peace of Christ is when there's no turmoil, or there's no struggles, or there's no sins, or there's, no, there's nothing bad going on. The peace of Christ that the scripture is talking about is the peace that Christ did for us on the cross. When we were sinners that loved evil more than good, that pursued hate more than holiness, that hated the darkness, I mean, that hated the light and loved the darkness. At this time, we were enemies of God. Before we start teaching what we believe, we must know what we believe. And that before Christ was received in our hearts, we were enemies of him. We're at odds with him. We did not love holiness. We loved our sin. So it is saying, let this peace, let the gospel reign in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. What is ruling in our hearts? Is it our works or the work of Christ? Let the peace of Christ, let the gospel that he has done for us reign in our hearts. The peace of Christ is the peace Christ has given us by salvation. His death for our sins has granted us peace with God. Before we were his people, we were his enemies. Christ wants the truth of the gospel to rule in our hearts every day. God tells us to let this peace rule in our hearts. Let is a word of submission and invitation. It is saying that you have all these things ruling your life, your reputation, your, your status, your job, how you present yourself, ruling your life. It is saying invite and submit your life to the gospel. This is what should inform our day in day life. Before we start talking about and teaching, we must know what we believe and who we are. We must know that we are sinners saved by his grace before we start talking to others. 
It is the peace of Christ, which is the work of our Savior, that should reign over your life. It is not tradition, not culture, or any opinion of man that grants us peace with God. It is only Jesus' work on the cross. This should inform us when we pursue to teach and admonish others. Next in that verse, it said that you were called. It says that you were called in one body. Talks about, firstly, the gospel, what we should believe. But secondly, that we are not a faith of our own. We are not a Christian of our own. We are called to the body. We are called to the church. If you are a Christian here, or claim you're a Christian here, and you are not a part of the body of believers, a local church, you have missed your calling. In this scripture, it says that we were called to his body. We were called to love one another. We were called to worship Jesus Christ. We were called to be a gospel community. We are called to his church. Before we get into what we're teaching others and warning others, we must know who we are by the gospel and who we have been made to be by a gospel community, the church. These are the priorities we must look to before we get into looking to somebody else. Our salvation brings us into a family. Your faith is more than just yours. The peace that that Christ has given us on the cross informs the peace that we should have with one another in the church. You know, when teaching and warning and admonishing one another, it can create a lot of drama, right? The scriptures is informing that the peace that we have in Christ should be the peace that we all share with one another that we are sinners saved by grace. We will make mistakes. We will not know everything. And tradition cannot save us. Culture cannot save us, but the gospel can save us. First Peter chapter two says that once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Before the call of salvation, we were without a people. We're out of people who can love on us, biblically. Who can lay their lives down for us, biblically. Who can speak into our marriages. Who can speak into our lives. Before we, are, we have received the call of salvation, we were a people. We were, not, we were a, a person without a people. It is by the gospel that brings us together. It is the gospel that brings us into his church, his bride. It is the gospel. And the most beautiful thing that we see at the end of verse 15 is, and be thankful. And be thankful. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, the gospel rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And with the gospel and gospel community, it tells us to be thankful. If we are unthankful for what God has done in our, in our lives, if we are unthankful for what God has done in our church, we will be unfaithful to both of those. Our faithfulness, our, our, our faithfulness derives from our thankfulness. And the most beautiful thing is that if we are not thankful for what God has made us to be by his grace, 
And as God has brought us into his church, we will not be thankful to those who come into our church, to those who don't know the gospel, to those who don't know all the traditions and all that good stuff of how to look like a Christian. This is where our heart should be before we teach, before we warn, before we admonish. It must be rooted in the gospel, in our gospel community. Verse 16, this is when we get into um, teaching and admonishing one another and what those things mean. Verse 16 starts off telling us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word dwell means for the word of Christ to live in, to take space, to take occupancy in your life. Some of you may know, um, my, uh, me and my wife had a baby two months ago, and absolutely, um, and this baby lives in our home, <laughs> and this baby consumes everything in our life. You know, me, when I come home from the office, I'm expecting for me to go to sleep, you know, take a nap, you know, a long day. That is not possible with a baby. All of our time, all of our lives have changed due to a baby dwelling in our home. The scripture is saying, have the word of Christ, the word of God dwell in your life so that it changes every single inch of your heart. If we are to be a gospel people in a gospel community, the word of Christ must be dwelling in our very own being. That when we speak, we speak the word of Christ. When we walk, we walk how Christ has walked. When we love one another, we love how Christ has loved. If the word is not dwelling in you richly, something else is. What is dwelling within us? Is it the gospel? Before we start teaching and before we start correcting others, we need, to be, we need to be in the word ourselves. The word of God is living and breathing and wants to live in you. When the word of Christ is manifested in our daily lives, Christ is manifested in our community. Let the word dwell within you. This informs us what we teach now. This informs us what we warn against now. If we continue verse 16, it then goes on to say, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and as now is teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching and warning each other of sin within all wisdom. Teaching and instructing, teaching and counseling. Back in 2017, me and my wife um, got married. Um, we got married in October 2017, and I got called to a church in North Carolina. So I had to move from, me and my wife had to move to California to North Carolina without family, without friends. Um, everything was new, went to a new church, served there as a youth pastor, all those good things. So as you guys know, is that when you're newly married, especially away from family, all you see is each other. You see each other's faults, you see each other's farts, like everything, like you just see each other when you're freshly married. So I had a great idea, 
is that since we're just at each other, I need a distraction in the home. So we bought a puppy. <laughs> to, to move away all the attention from each other, let's get a puppy. And now this puppy was cute. The puppy was beautiful. But this puppy was also sinful as well. <laughs> as you guys know, is that if you have a dog, when you wake up in the morning, something living in your house again, you have to change how your morning looks. So on a Sunday morning, I need to take the dog out to do his business. And as soon as I opened the door, the dog just, just ran out. And we lived on the third story of an apartment building. So the dog ran down the stairs, ran down the hallways, barking at 7 o'clock in the morning. So me, after I did at least about three or four laps, I said, you know what? You're gone with the wild. You do your thing. <laughs> Once he saw I stopped chasing him, go ahead and follow me back to the house. And I was like, all right, we did all this for nothing. So this made me late to church. I'm the pastor, so pastor should not be late to church. Um, and as I'm coming up, I'm, I need to prepare kind of like a morning huddle with our leaders, with our volunteers. As if, hey guys, we're praying for this, praying for this morning. Um, we, we need to be gospel-centered. We need to love those who come in, make sure they're welcome, make sure they're loved, all of these things. I do this for probably about five to seven minutes this morning, around 20, 25 people. And then after I do that, we pray, high fives, go to our serving areas. I felt a breeze. And the breeze was like all around here. And I had the largest rip in my pants known to man. Like, took, like literally, like my, my, like my shorts are almost like falling half off. Like. And I was thinking is that when did this happen? This happened this morning when I was running laps around our apartment building trying to get my dog. But then I thought again is... I led 25 people and no one said anything. <laughs> so the kids pastor was there. And I said, bro, I was upset at this point. Like, not mad at me, not mad at a dog, I'm mad at everybody else. I said, bro, you're in this meeting. Like, you, you, you're the pastor. Why didn't you tell me I had a huge rip in my pants? And he said, man, bro, see, I saw it. But, you know, I thought it was like some kind of California style or something. <laughs> And I'm like, bro, bro, this is a modesty issue. Like, it's like, this, like, this is a problem. And when I think about teaching and admonishing one another, is that oftentimes people are unaware of what they're doing. People are unaware of how it may tarnish their witness. People are unaware of the wrong that they are doing. If we are a gospel community that are founded upon the truth of the gospel and upon of love for one another, we should speak truth to one another. Regardless of how awkward it is, regardless of, of whatever your relationship with the person is, we should have each other's back upon following the walk of holiness, Amen. the walk of wisdom. If we are a gospel community, we teach the gospel. And we must make sure that we are teaching the right thing. We must teach gospel truth and gospel implications. 
Gospel truth is Christ's work on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins, the redemption of our souls. These are the things we should be teaching. We must teach gospel implications as if how do we walk off, walk with this walk that we have by the gospel? Jesus says you must teach and command all that I've commanded you. We must We must give what Christ has commanded to his people. We must teach the repentance of sin. We must teach the daily dependence for our souls, such as reading prayer and worship. If we are not teaching each other, are we actually loving each other? If we are not teaching each other, warning each other, are we really a gospel community? If the gospel is what has saved us from our sin, We should be an agent for that salvation from our sins. We should be that friend, that sister, that brother that pulls others out of the fire from their sin. Because on their own, they cannot be released. We must teach that we are only received by God and because of the work that he has done on the cross. It is very easy to teach something else. It's very easy to teach tradition. It's very easy to teach rules. It's very easy to teach everything under the sun, but what is hard is to teach the word at times. This is why we must be in the word, so we can teach the word in all wisdom. How do we warn? We must warn in gentleness. In Galatians 6, chapter 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We need to restore one another in a spirit of gentleness and humility. Secondly, we can't warn out of anger, but we must must warn out of care. James 1 says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We can't love each other with an attitude. We can't instruct or teach each other with an attitude or an anger. We must teach it with care. We must be quick to hear. We must, we must be slow to speak and slow to anger. We need to have context as well before we correct and know that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Lastly, we must warn out of self-sacrificial love. John 15 says, no greater love than one, than one as this, that someone who lays down his life for his friend or for his brother. If we're going to correct someone in their life, we should be in their life. If we're a gospel community brought together by the cross, we need to communicate with Christ's love and affection and faithfulness and forgiveness. We don't communicate our talk And it means of our own self-righteousness, of how you should talk or how you should look or how you should whatever. We need to be a gospel community that teaches that our hope, our peace comes through the gospel. At the end of verse 16, it says, we must do all of this with thankfulness in our hearts to God. We must do all of this with thankfulness in our hearts to God. If we are not thankful, we are not faithful. 
Are you thankful what God has done for you on the cross? Are you thankful for his church that he has given you? Are you thankful for the love that he has shown us each and and every day, each and every minute? If we are going to correct, going to teach others, we need to be thankful of them. We need to be thankful that no matter where they come from, no matter what background, no matter what socioeconomic status, that we are thankful that they walked in the doors of the church. We are thankful they are hearing the gospel. We are thankful that they have a chance to be a part of gospel community. Are we thankful? Oh, what Christ has done for us and what Christ has done for his church. When it comes to teaching and when it comes to warning each other, it must be rooted in the gospel and gospel alone. Not traditions, not rules, not regulations, because none of those things bring us to salvation. We must be a gospel-centered community. A community that's rooted upon what Christ has done for the cross and what Christ can do in your life because what he's done on the cross. Let us pray. Lord, I am thankful. We are thankful for what you have done in our lives. Guide us, Lord, to be truthful to one another in all love and all humility, to be patient with one another, to care for one another as you have cared for us on the cross. God is, Lord, to be a gospel community, not a community based upon rules or regulations that has no spirit-changing power, but upon the gospel that changes our hearts, changes our affections, and changes our minds towards you. Guide us, Lord, to love each other as you have loved, to teach each other as you have teached, and warn each other of our sins as you have warned us of our sins. Because the warning is that we're shifting and swaying away from your grace and your love that you have for us. Lord, guide us, Lord, to look to our shepherd and to our Savior. In your precious name, amen.